Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Gray Paws and All, a podcast about senior dog health and wellness. I'm Hindi Pearson, senior dog advocate, owner of the website caringforseniordog.com, and I run the Facebook group Senior Dog Care Club. Today, I'm excited to be talking once again to Dorothy Wills Raftery. She was kind enough to invite me to be a guest on her talk radio show, The Sod Vibe, and now she's going to be on the other side of the microphone. Dorothy's bio will take up the whole time we have for the show, so I'm just going to give you some of the highlights. She's an award-winning author and photojournalist, Siberian Husky aficionado, canine epilepsy advocate, and writer and host of the award-nominated show, The Side Vibe, which airs on DogWorks Radio, podcast app, and iTunes. You can follow Dorothy and her five sibes on their website, fivesibes.com, on Facebook at fivesibes.com. Siberian Husky Canine News and Reviews, and Twitter at Five Sides Mom. And all links are going to be in the show description. Welcome, Dorothy. I'm so excited to be talking to you today. Hi, Hindi. It's really great to be talking to you again. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Um, today, we're going to be talking about seizures, epilepsy. Soon, we're going to learn what they all mean. Um, I know it's an issue that a lot of my readers and group members have concerns about they're not sure what it really means medications food it's like it's it's such a hot topic really so I'm, I'm glad we have the chance to talk about it so of course I really want to hear how you got involved and how you ended up leading the charge for epilepsy awareness but first if we can just talk about some of the terminology which I know I'm guilty of probably using them interchangeably so if you can just explain Epilepsy, seizures, grand mal seizures, convulsions, fits, do they mean the same thing? Do they not? Sure, I'd be happy to go over a few terms and explanations. Um, Hindi, before we begin, I just do want to mention um, I am not a veterinarian or a pet healthcare professional. I'm sharing all the info I've learned over the years from my own team of vets, veterinary neurologist specialists, other caregivers, as well as my own learned experiences from sharing life with a dog with canine epilepsy. That said, let's cover some of those basic terminology um, that we often hear. Epilepsy, and I'm going to quote Dr. Karen Munina, who is the professor of neurology at the North Carolina State University College of Veterinary Medicine and the companion animal epilepsy lab. Quote, epilepsy is the most common chronic neurological disorder in veterinary medicine and is estimated to affect up to 1% of dogs and 2% of cats in the general population. The term epilepsy is used to describe recurrent seizures that arise due to an abnormality in the brain, end quote. Epilepsy and seizure are two different terms. Epilepsy is a series of seizures and a seizure, and again, I'm gonna take this directly from Dr. Karen Munena, is quote, a transient disturbance of, I'm sorry, a transient disturbance in brain function due to abnormal electrical discharge from brain cells. Other names for seizures include convulsions, fits, or ictus. Seizures most frequently manifest as involuntary jerking movements of the head, face, and or limbs. Many animals lose consciousness and are not aware of their surroundings. Excessive drooling along with voiding of urine and stools can be seen. Seizures start and stop abruptly and typically last a few minutes or less. Another term that people might hear is epidogs. That's dogs with canine epilepsy. They are also referred to as epidogs, short for epileptic dogs. AED, AEDs, and that's anti-epileptic drugs or medication. Idiopathic epilepsy. 
This diagnosis simply means there is no known cause for the seizures. A diagnosis is typically made after a dog has had more than one seizure. There are also various types of seizure activity, and I will go over them briefly. There's grand mal or tonic-clonic, some folks refer to them as generalized, and that's a full-blown, full-body seizure, which is what my Gibson's first seizure was. It's when a dog winds up on his side, violently paddling of the legs, clashing of the jaw, drooling, staring blankly, defecating. Petty mal or absence or mild seizures involve little movement, but the dog can be staring off into space for a period of time, and those are not always detectable by us um, because they are quite mild. Um, focal seizures, that, that can mean a grand mal is coming, but not always. The dog can be twitching or blinking um, or having jerky head motions. Um, they could, it could affect one side of the body only as well. Complex partial or focal seizures, also referred to as psychomotor seizures, can be something like a dog repetitively snapping at the air, which is also referred to as fly biting, running in circles, or some other type of odd repetitive movement. Cluster seizures, which Gibson also had, is when a dog has continuous seizures in a very short period of time and can be life-threatening if the seizures do not stop um, or cannot be stopped. Cluster seizures can also be a precursor to status epilepticus, which is an extremely life-threatening situation for a dog. Status epilepticus is when a dog stays in a seizure for a long period of time or has continuous seizures without any break or coming back to being conscious and is extremely uh, life-threatening for them. Both cluster seizures and status epilepticus require immediate emergency veterinary attention. So I'm gonna assume that you got so involved and are really leading the charge for canine awareness because is it Gibson? Yes. That was your first dog that had epilepsy? Yes, that's correct. He's my, he's my first dog. The only dog that I have had that um, has epilepsy. I, I do so much work in his name now. I haven't quite put him in the past um, because he has passed on now, not from epilepsy. I just do want to make that note. He passed on from uh, cancer. Um, but I also uh, have a senior dog who has had some age onset seizures, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But I became involved through Gibson and my journey. Um, and I became an advocate when he, who was one of my five Siberian Huskies, was diagnosed in 2009 with idiopathic canine epilepsy. And that was shortly after his third birthday. Uh, he had a very frightening grand mal seizure, which at the time I initially did not know what was happening. And those few forever seconds, I thought I lost him, and my mind was racing, thinking whatever could have happened. He was just a three-year-old pup at the time. I went over in my head what he ate, what could he have come in contact with, was there something outside, inside, and Hindi, I came up with nothing. Um, miraculously, or at least how I felt at the time, while I was on the phone with the ER hospital, because, you know, naturally these things always happen at night or after the vet office is closed. Um, so I turned around and I saw him standing up. He was dazed but alive. And I had no idea at the time about seizures. As a journalist, I researched everything I could, had in-depth discussions with my amazing vet team, and just really soaked up everything I could about seizures and epilepsy and dogs. At that time, the internet was not as it is today, so getting the information was not as easy, not right at my fingertips. There was not a lot of talk about epilepsy or seizures. Um, MySpace was the big social media outlet at the time, and I decided to write about Gibson's seizure and see if anyone out there in Cyberland had any experiences to share with me. And 
there's this wonderful gal, Lori, who is a nurse and also has an epi dog. And she reached out across to me over the miles and was a wonderful support and my first source of information. We are still friends today. Um, about a month later, after Gibbs' first seizure, he had another episode. And this time it was during the day and he went into cluster seizures and was at risk of not coming back out of them. The vet team, thankfully, was able to get him out of it. That's when my vet placed him on medication. And all of this led me to thinking about how many other confused and scared dog parents and guardians had to be out there who didn't really know a lot about seizures or what they looked like or if there was medication, um, just like I didn't. And at the time, if a dog had seizures, it was not unusual for the dog to be euthanized. And that is so not the case. I made it my business to research everything Hindi about canine epilepsy so I could in turn become well-informed on the subject to be the best advocate at the time for my own dog. Um, it became my heartfelt mission to talk about Gibson and my journey to share his highs and lows with being an epi dog, including side effects from medications, setbacks, injuries, the tribulations he experienced. And, you know, I did all this in an effort to help other dog, other dog families who were on the same journey. And I needed to show people how these amazing, resilient dogs can and do live full lives with epilepsy and to encourage people to not euthanize their dog, to not surrender them to a shelter, and to really consider adopting one who has epilepsy. Gibson was the inspiration for my Live Gibbs Strong Canine Epilepsy Awareness and Educational Campaign, which also led me to write many articles and blog posts on the topic, as well as two books. Um, one is for children. Uh, to, it's an illustrated book called What's Wrong with Gibson? Learning About Canine Epilepsy. And I wrote that so uh, in an upbeat way. I mean, it's a serious subject, but I wanted to pee in an upbeat way so kids would not be afraid if they saw a dog or even a person having a seizure. And the second book is Epic Dog Tales, Heartfelt Stories About Amazing Dogs Living and Loving Life with Canine Epilepsy. And this features stories from epi dogs all across the world, um, all in an effort to let people who find themselves on the same journey know two things. One, they are not alone. There's much information, resources, and help available, which I've put together in a resource section on my website, free for folks to refer to. And two, with special care and most times medication, whether traditional, holistic, combination of both, including maintaining specific dosage schedules, these dogs can live a really happy life and they can, Hindi, do anything a dog with seizures can do. I've interviewed caregivers of epi dogs who are sled dogs, competitive race and dock diving dogs. There are show dogs, dogs who do urban mushing, hiking, scajoring jogging partners, bike drawing, as well as couch potatoes. <laughs> I, I totally support your advocacy work because, I mean, as you know, I'm a senior dog advocate, but for me, if I can share my story, I've had a few senior dogs, but Red, my heart dog, as you know, of course, um, she, she gained her wings in May, but again, like Gibson, not because of, of uh, any seizures, but I knew nothing about seizures. I had never had an animal that ever had a seizure. And, and I totally related when you said, of course it happens at night. And I remember like it was yesterday, I was in the living room and I was just, you know, flaked out on, on my chair. I was, I had the TV on and it was probably like at least 1130 at night and red was on her bed, but she was on the other side of the couch. So I couldn't see her. And all of a sudden I heard this bang. Mm -hmm. And I jumped up and I see her lying on her bed and she's like shaking. So of course, 
what do you do? You grab them and you pick them up. The worst thing to do, but you don't, I mean, I didn't know what was going on. So I grabbed her. She peed all over me. Mm -hmm. Um, She was shaking just a few seconds. It wasn't even 10 seconds. And then she went to sleep. So of course I woke my husband up and then I called the emergency hospital and um, they're like, yeah, she had a, she had a seizure. Don't turn the, I mean, she's blind. So I, she was blind. So I don't think the lights made a difference, but you know, they're telling me basically everything that I did is everything you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to leave them. You're supposed to um, turn off anything that's making noise, turn off the lights, but you know, you don't know what you don't know. And um, so I said, well, do I need to bring her? And they said, no, but you should bring her to the vet. And um, she did have, a, I mean, we'll talk about that anticipation later on, but she did go on to have a few seizures, but every seizure was at night, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was preceded by this blood curdling scream. So when I heard that scream, I knew what was coming, but they, she really only had, I don't know, maybe a handful certain, and they were just a few seconds. So there was no reason to put her on any medication. Um, and I would, and I learned, you know, leave her alone. And she never seemed to suffer any effects. She was very resilient little dog. And basically she would just fall back asleep. Like nothing happened. But that really? scream is is heart stopping, you know. And you keep thinking, when are they going to do it again? Exactly. I, I as you're saying now, I'm nodding my head, and I can just picture all these other epi dog parents out there nodding their head too, because yeah. they totally relate with the scream and that thumping and that fear. Um, my Harley also is. Um, she's going to be 14 on March 10th, so it's hard for me to actually believe she's going to be. She is a senior. I mean, she's in her golden years. But she had her first grand mal seizure in 2014. And I have to admit, I was pretty freaked out to realize once I saw that familiar paddling, uh, I was like, oh, no, she's having a seizure. I cannot believe this. Um, But as you know, the big concern when you have a senior dog starts to have a seizure, that's not usually epilepsy. Um, Age onset of seizures typically means something else is going on. Like a brain tumor, right? It can very well be a tumor. Um, but that's not the only thing it can be. Um, so it's very concerning. And that was my first thought with Harley. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she's older now. You know, this has never happened. She's never had any episodes before. Um, but thankfully in her case, she did not have a brain tumor. Uh, after the blood work and tests, it showed she had hypothyroidism, which she never did before. Her tests were always great. Um, she was placed on medication and then we were good for a year and then she had another. And again, after a vet visit, we discovered she was now hypoglycemic. So with aging dogs, and again, as I know you know, it's not uncommon for them to start to eat less, which of course, as with us humans, and I myself um, have hypoglycemia since youth, if you're not keeping your sugar levels leveled by eating proteins, they can plunge. and that was a trigger for Harley. So now I make sure if she turns in up, her nose up at food, which now that she's getting older, and I know you've covered this topic, sometimes it's difficult to get them to eat. Um, but I do add different things to be sure to get her to eat something. And I do periodically throughout the day to help maintain those sugar levels. So thyroid, sugar levels, those are also things aging dogs we have to be aware of. Um, so it is good to know it's not always a brain tumor, but it most certainly can be. 
I think in Red's case, it was just, it was idiopathic, really. That's what they decided. But I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't, I wasn't aware that not eating could actually bring on a seizure. And I know there are a ton of people in my group that have dogs that are not eating. So mm -hmm. I, that's really important for them to know. But I just want to back up quickly because you know, there's a woman that I know, and I happened to bump into her yesterday when I was walking Jack in the park. I hadn't seen her in a long time, and I didn't realize that her dog had seizures since he was about two, I think it was. And she was telling me, because I was telling her about Red, and, you know, she just let out this scream, but she was telling me that he, I can't remember what name she put to it, Halo or something. He just goes like he knew when it was coming the dog it's an aura oh aura that's what it was that's right, right. she said something about aura halo aura okay i was on the right yeah, track. no that was the, actually <laughs> by you saying it i knew exactly what you were talking right. about <laughs> that's what she said it was something about an aura and he would know and right. sometimes it went on for a few minutes and he would run around the house and he would just like he knew it was coming. So he would work himself into a frenzy, which probably made the seizure worse. And it went on for quite some time. And then the seizures went on for a long time. And then afterwards, he would also you, you would see the effects for quite some time. And of course, it's like the opposite of of what used to happen with red. So I, I know that there are three components, pre-ictal, ictal, and post-ictal. So that's before the seizure, the seizure, and after. So obviously not every seizure looks the same. Um, and I guess we can't possibly know how our dogs will present with when they have a seizure. And will it actually always be the same type of routine because it seemed to be for red and it seemed to be for her dog so would it always be that same pattern uh it can be uh and again as with so much with epilepsy uh it doesn't necessarily have to be it would depend on what type of seizure the dog is having um there are three stages and sometimes as you said uh the dog and the caregiver can tell that one might be imminent by the dog's actions prior to one which some folks also consider the fourth stage. Um, to explain the stages, I'm going to refer to the Canine Epilepsy Resources, and that's the home of the Epil Canine email support list. Um, and that's the, the prodome, which may precede the seizure by hours or days, and it's characterized by changes in mood or behavior. The aura, and that signals the start of a seizure. It's nervousness, whining, trembling, um, you know, saliva, affect, they get affectionate, wandering, restless, hiding, um, they can be apprehensive, and those all can be signals. Um, there's the ictus or the actual seizure, and that's a period of the intense physical activity, usually lasting 45 seconds to three minutes, and that's when the dog loses consciousness, falls to the ground. Uh, that's where there might be the teeth gnashing, the frantic thrashing of the limbs, the drooling, that vocalizing of that scream, the paddling of the feet and uncontrollable urination and defecation, and then there's the post-ictus or ictal, and that's after the seizure when the dog may pace endlessly, uh, have temporary blindness, deafness, and eat or drink excessively. And I also want to just note that there can be also a period of stillness immediately following that seizure. This is when I first walked in on Gibson after hearing him have his seizure, which was the paddling of the, uh, you know, his legs banging on the floor. 
he was so still, his mouth was foaming, he appeared to not be breathing. It was probably one of the single most frightening experiences of my life. And I really thought I had lost him, Hindi. And this is when I was on the phone with the ER hospital when he stood up confused, dazed, and he, he had the temporary blindness. And I honestly, I just thought I, I witnessed a miracle. And all I could say was, he's alive. So, yeah, I, I know I can, I, I must be, I, I'm very thankful that reds were tiny, even though they were scary as, you know, but they were just tiny little things. So I am grateful for that after hearing other people's stories, but it's not. So when I went to my vet the next day, he said to me, a dog is never going to have just one seizure. Is that right? Um, well, I... A dog doesn't necessarily have to have multiple seizures, or it could be one seizure. Um, they certainly can have just one seizure in a lifetime. It's not as uncommon as people may think. A dog could have an illness or come into something toxic. They could eat or sniff something or maybe have a reaction to a medication. Right, right, or, okay. Or, yeah. You know, or experience uh, one of those unknown triggers. Right. Uh, in fact, there is a dog in my, my book, Epic Dog Tales, whose family shared her story, and she did have just one seizure. It, they could never really explain it. They didn't know what triggered it, but she only had one over her entire lifetime. All right. So that's great. So I know that um, you did mention early on that seizures can be deadly. So is there a way for us to tell if our dog is having a seizure that could potentially be deadly? Like they, they might've had some before and they've been fine, but how do we know? Or maybe we can't know. Um, well, one seizure can certainly be deadly. Um, that is why as soon as a dog has a seizure, a trip to the vet is highly recommended to help determine what the cause is. Um, sometimes all results will come back negative or idiopathic, as we discussed earlier, meaning no known cause, which is actually a good thing. Although it does not provide answers, negative test in most cases means the seizure was not due to an underlying health issue, such as a brain tumor. Um, there are also cases of when an epi dog has cluster seizures and cannot come out of them and goes into what is called the status epilepticus, which I mentioned at the top of the show. Um, both are very dangerous. If the vet or ER clinic cannot get those continued seizures under control, the dog is in danger of brain damage and or death. Um, while my Gibson was in the middle of cluster seizures, we were able to get him to the emergency clinic. And upon arrival, I believe he was in between his fourth and fifth seizure. Um, his temperature was very high. I was informed that they might not be able to bring him out of it, but we were extremely fortunate that they did. That's why when folks tell me their dogs continue to have seizures and they opt not to go on meds, I always say heed the vet's advice as the most important thing is to try and manage those seizures to prevent serious neurological damage. Once on medication, and if the seizures are being managed, sometimes well, sometimes only to a certain degree, then one can have conversations with their vet about either weaning them off or reducing their dosages, and they can add liver cleansing supplements under the vet's supervision. My advice is to never alter a dog's medication without a veterinarian's approval and recommendations. And you'd be surprised, Cindy, how many times I hear that people go out solo and do this. Um, if one does not think their vet is well-versed on seizures and canine epilepsy, 
find one who is. Some people worry about long-term effects of the AEDs like phenobarbital in a dog's liver, but my opinion is get those seizures controlled first to be sure you have a dog to wean off medications. Absolutely, that's a good point. It's true, people do take it into their own hands, and I know there are a lot of people, and I hear it all the time, I don't want to give my dogs drugs, I want natural, but you know what? Drugs are there, drugs work, at, like you say, at least get whatever condition it is under control. Then you can look at natural supplements. Can, does that mean you can reduce the dose of the drugs to give him natural, you know, but at least get everything under control. And like you say, so you have a dog whose liver is there to treat. Exactly. But, you know, we mentioned about what you're not supposed to do when a dog is having a seizure. But the thing is, like you were just saying that you were at the emergency hospital with Gibson and he was like in the middle of a seizure. So if you're not supposed to pick them up and leave them, uh, you're supposed to leave them alone. But at what point do you, do you think that the seizure is going on so long that it's okay to pick them up and, and run them over to the hospital before something happens? Well, a seizure itself usually does not last that long. It's usually 45 seconds to three minutes. Um, and you're ta when you're talking a typical seizure, uh, it then ends. With Gibson, he was in cluster seizures, which means he was going from one yeah. to another with a very short, very short period of time in between. I mean, it was only, it was seconds. Um, and it was probably more, it was probably a minute, but to me it felt like seconds. Um, when he was in between, he was trying to get himself back up. So he had a period of consciousness and alertness. Now you have to picture this. He was a 98 pound woolly Siberian Husky. So I couldn't just pick him up and tuck him under my arm. So as a sidebar to this conversation, if you have a large dog, you would have to use something like a blanket to slip under them so that two people can carry the dog out. Or in, in my case, we had um, a ramp that goes into the car so a dog can walk up the ramp. That serves as a great stretcher. So you have to think about the size of your dog as well and, and be prepared for that. Um, but we were able to get him in between because he had periods of consciousness. So at that point when they're conscious, of course it's okay to take them to the vet. But if they are in cluster seizures and can't get out or epileptic, the most important thing is they've got to get seen by the vet because they won't be able to hold on very long. There'll be a lot of damage if they are not seen by one. Um, I can remember asking the vet on the phone, do you have a pet ambulance? Can you come <laughs> get it? And I thought, why don't we have one? You know, um, That's your next project. Yeah, there you go. I've thought about that. Um, but if we do think our dog's having a seizure, first and utmost, remain calm. Um, as you know, that is not an easy thing to do when you see your dog seizing, mm -hmm. but try to keep as calm as possible. Uh, if you have other family dogs, it's important that when a dog is going into a seizure or is in one, secure those other ones safely away from the seizing dog because it can be very confusing to the other dogs when a dog has a seizure and they can possibly, uh, be, they can be afraid or they can attack the dog that's having a seizure. So be safe, uh, be cautious, keep hands and objects away from a seizing dog's mouth. Um, cooling down the dog's important. A dog's body temperature can become dangerously high. Uh, place instant ice packs behind your dog's neck, on his back, under what I call the armpits of the legs and belly. A cooler collar or a wet bandana around the neck, help, a neck helps. And cool the paw pads with water. I mean, my freezer to this day still has cooler collars in there um, for such an emergency. 
Uh, give a small snack when a dog comes out of a seizure, give him or her some all natural vanilla ice cream or a little bit of honey, maple syrup, corn syrup, something to help raise that low blood sugar level. Then follow it up right away with a bit of protein such as chicken tuna, beef, a stick of cheese, spoonful of cottage cheese or organic peanut butter, something to help stabilize that blood sugar. Then water, let your dog have a couple sips of water, let them slowly start having that water. Um, make sure the pet's area is safe. Uh, Post-seizure, as I mentioned with Gibson, he experienced temporary blindness. Uh, keep them away from stairs and any other potential hazards such as, you know, wires from your lamps or, you know, some people have knickknacks up on a shelf. You have to be careful because they can bunk into that and then that can come down and hit them. So you want to be careful their area is clear. Uh, reassurance. A dog most likely will come out of one uh, confused and scared. So soft talking, gentle touches, and hugging will help reassure your dog that he or she is safe. Um, keep a seizure journal. Uh, take notes either in a notebook or on a smartphone app of the date, time, and length of seizure, the symptoms, as well as any other details you can think of, such as what was your dog doing or eating before the seizure. And you could take it back even a day or so um, because these triggers can start that far ahead of time. Uh, where your dog was, uh, what the weather was like, was the TV on, was there any construction happening at your house, that type of information. Uh, if you can, videotape the seizure. Uh, if you have a cell phone handy, try to capture that seizure because these notes in the video, they'll help create a seizure log that you can share with your vet. Go to the vet. When the seizure is over, it's important to be sure there is no underlying health issue. And depending on the test results, the vet will make a diagnosis and recommend a course of treatment. Educate yourself, research everything possible on canine epilepsy, on seizures, medications, possible triggers, the holistic and the alternative treatments so that you can have a well-informed conversation about your dog's care with your veterinarian. Network with other epi dog parents and vets for support and informational exchange. And last but not least, create an epilepsy first aid kit. In addition to typical items in a pet's first aid kit, be sure to add items necessary for an epi dog such as instant ice packs, doses of emergency medications, an emergency contact list in case you have a pet sitter, cleanup wipes, things like that. Keep it obviously marked and put it somewhere where everyone in the family, including your pet sitter, knows where to find it. That's a really great idea. And I was just going to ask you about rectal diazepam. I know after I was like, of course, freaking out when Red had her seizures um, and my vet gave, although she didn't need any medication, he did give me diazepam mm -hmm. just in case. I guess I felt better in case one seizure ended up being longer yeah. and at least I had something to help. Right, exactly. So this is just a question I kind of threw in there. Um, you know, there are foods, you know, prescription diets, of course, there are, you know, those that love them, those that hate them, but there are prescription diets for like every condition you can think of. Are there any prescription diets that are particularly helpful for seizures or are there foods that they should eat or shouldn't eat, or would that really depend on the, the cause of the seizures? Well, I mean, I think that's a, it's a great, it's a great question. And there, there is a, a, a um, food that has come out that they have determined, I believe it's the Royal Veterinary 
college that has done the study on it. So folks can go and research and see how they feel about that. Um, they can have conversations with their vet. Their, their vet, if, they, if you have a vet who's well-versed on your dog's health history and on uh, epilepsy, and it's important because some vets are, some vets aren't. So you want to make sure you have one who is very well versed on it. And this is a great conversation to have with them as well. Um, when it comes to causes of seizures, as you know, with red, it's a bit like the wild, wild west. There's so many possible triggers and they can also have no obvious cause. Um, that's what's really frustrating about the disease. It's such an unknown. All we can do is eliminate as many possible triggers uh, from their diet and environment. And that said, triggers can include, but are not uh, limited to, and I'm just going to give you a brief little rundown, um, you know, in addition to certain foods, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but, you know, illness or injury, medication side effects, the food and food ingredients, and those are wheat, gluten, rosemary, preservatives, dyes or colorings, any chemical additives, those are those can be huge triggers for some dogs, uh, toxins, whether ingested, inhaled, or or absorb. Sometimes typical household items such as your yard sprays, pesticides, your insecticides, even perfumes, your, your room freshening candles, your room freshening sprays, hairsprays, nail polish, some of those things you don't always think about but can be triggers. Uh, stress, heat and overheating, those were two for Gibson um, as well as stress. TV, strobe lights, loud music, um, also uh, things like uh, weather, it can be triggers, uh, your lunar phases and things like that. So many, so many different things can affect them. With the diet, um, again, people would have to eliminate the things that could cause triggers. Uh, but then a lot of times people will feed, uh, make homemade and add certain things to it. Uh, a lot of people uh, have had success with raw feeding. Um, there are a lot of different things that they can explore uh, as far as dietary uh, diet and nutrition. You probably are, know how CBD oil is seen by so many people as like curing everything that's wrong with man and beast, as they say. Do you know what I mean? It's like... It's, it, it's, uh, the, hot, it's the hot ticket today. It really is. I mean, I see this so often. It's like someone says, oh, my dog is whatever. Oh, we'll try CBD oil. <laughs> it's like a cure-all. But I, interestingly enough, I did, I mean, it didn't work for red, but you know, I did, I gave it to her for dementia, but I didn't really, I can't say it didn't work. I didn't really try it properly, but, um, I did see quite a while back a Facebook video from a Facebook friend and she had recorded her dog having a really bad seizure. I mean, it went on for quite some time. And she rubbed some CBD oil on his gums and it literally, his seizure stopped. So I don't know if you're familiar with as, this as a treatment option, if, you, if you've heard about it, if you've used it yourself. Can you speak well, to that? Yeah, CBD and full-spectrum hemp oil were not popular methods of treatment when Gibson um, was here. Um, I am happy to say I... I'm really glad that they're now seriously looking at that. And um, there have been some reports finally coming out of very positive effects for dogs with seizures that are on it. I know Cornell has been has run a, a study on that. Um, sometimes alone, sometimes in combination with anti-epileptic medications. Uh, many areas still fall under some unclear legalities with respect to CBD. So folks should always check their current, uh, the current federal, state, and local laws and laws and regulations regarding it. 
uh, full spectrum hemp to my understanding is legal for an article that discusses cannabinoids and explains the difference between CBD and full spectrum hemp folks can check out a really informative article by the nonprofit echo and that's at echoconnection.org um, full spectrum hemp oil and treats is something I do give uh, like I give to Harley now and I do give to my seniors um, she gets a particular oil under her tongue in and also in treat form. Uh, it's reported as uh, non-psychoactive. It virtually has no or very low THC, uh, so the dog will not get high. Uh, I know a lot of people are worried about that. Yeah. Um, I would definitely have added it to Gibson's regimen if it had been available at the time. Uh, again, um, you know, I would have had a discussion with my vet first. And, you know, again, too, uh, the topic of conversation and you have to stay current because things are changing very very fast in this field um but it is something that is definitely i think look worth looking into and um i like that's natural but it is also key to know where it comes from there are so many companies popping up each day now and folks need to be vigilant about checking on the quality and the locality from where it comes from and review their third-party lab test results as of all and any product that you're interested in using that's extremely important because even though it has been around it's still the quote new kid on the block and studies are just starting to be released on the positive effects um, but I really recommend doing research on the company read the reviews read the lab results check with your own vet and holistic practitioners as well as other dog parents to get their opinions and experiences check to make sure the amount that they're saying on the label is the correct amount that's actually in those uh, those lab results. Um, it's also important to talk with one's own vet on whether this is a viable addition or alternative for their epi dog, since they know the dog's health records and they would know if there's any issue or possible conflict with them adding it. Great advice. I'm actually doing a podcast on Friday, I think it is, with someone from New Leaf, a CBD company, because there's CBD, there's hemp, and like you say, there's so many new companies popping up. And but like with any supplements, you never really know how much is in the bottle. That's right. And and if it's the correct amount and where where it's sourced from. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very, very important to find out where it's sourced from. So my last question actually is um, well, it's kind of a question and a statement. So like I said before, you know, when Red had her first seizure. I really, I spent a lot, I mean, of course, you know me, how much I love that dog, and I was always worried about her, but mm -hmm. after she had that seizure, I worried, I like, I, I walked around wondering, okay, when's it going to happen again? Mm -hmm. And I would check on her, and I'm like, oh my God, did I just hear a scream? What was that? Mm -hmm. And I would, I would worry all the time, when was it going to happen again? And I remember we were driving from England to Spain. And uh, well, someone was driving us and it was like, I don't know, one or two o'clock in the morning. And she's such a great, tra she's, she was such a great dog, you know, good natured. She was a great traveler. She traveled a lot, planes everywhere. And um, we were driving and she was great in the car, but it was like one or two in the morning when we got to the hotel and she was lying in bed with us. And then I started, I said to my husband, I was just watching her. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear anything. And I said, she's going to have a seizure. I know she is. And I put like towels underneath her. And sure enough, that blood curdling scream. But I really found myself. I mean, like I said before, you know, she had very few, 
but it was like wondering, okay, I'm waiting for the next one. And it's almost like the law of attraction, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> what you're going to put. And then I said to myself, what are you crazy? Stop thinking about it because it's going to be the law of attraction. You're going to attract more seizures to her. So what can you recommend other than stopping to worry about it? <laughs> Uh, you know, like we're waiting for it. How do we stop waiting for it? Boy, oh boy, is that, for it? <laughs> boy, I tell you, that is it. That's the million dollar question yeah. right there. Um, I guess being prepared. I mean, being prepared, yeah. knowing what to expect, having your like first aid kit, having your phone number. So absolutely. Um, gas in the car, you know. I mean, for me, Gibson, he was a large dog, so he used to love to lay upside down on his back. So when he would roll over, he would always oh, be God. banging yeah. into the wall. <laughs> oh my so God. I would always jump up and go, what, what was that bang? And my dog would be like, that's just Gibson, my, he's rolling over. And I'm like, oh my God, is that a seizure? So yeah. I, I think any Hugh parent or guardian of a dog who's had or has seizures, they know it's a, it's a frightening experience and we can feel so helpless. Um, I, I do believe becoming well-informed and educated on canine epilepsy and seizures is really important um, because I think the more informed we are, the better we know what to do when it occurs and the less helpless we feel. Um, it also gives us some understanding so that we can have those informed conversations with our vet to come up with the best possible treatment for our epi dogs. I think I spent all my days, Hindi, always waiting for the other shoe to drop, so to say. But, you know, after each seizure experience, after each hour passed, then days, then weeks, which turned into months, and you always pray it'll be years, I learned to breathe and let go of some of that anxiety and fear. Not all of it. I say some because I think that fear is always there. Um, one of my amazing vets on our team gave me an excellent piece of advice when I expressed exactly this to her one day. And she said, you know, I told her, I said, I always feel like I need to protect him. And she said, let him live his life. And, you know, it just, it sunk in. It really resonated with me. And I really tried hard to do that. It wasn't always easy to let him run with the others or, you know, engage in his rough husky play that they love. But, you know, it was actually Gibson who helped me to push through that fear and embrace the good days like he did. He was such a happy force of nature. He loved life. He loved his pack family and he especially loved Harley. That was the love of his life. Um, he loved to sing and talk and howl and do all, he did this funky little funny and heartwarming dance that I called the Gibby hip hop. And he just enjoyed racing across the yard with the other ones and splashing in the pool. And this boy just loved life so much. And you know, Hindi, he taught me to not focus on the setbacks, but rather enjoy those happy moments as they were happening. In retrospect, I'm so thankful for that as all those years of happy moments with him stay with me now and they're in my heart. And although I miss him terribly, those moments still bring a smile to my face whenever I think of him. So I would have to say, don't waste time waiting for the when, as it may or may not occur. Uh, if it does come, know how to deal with it to keep your dog as safe as possible, and then try to move on and embrace each and every every day. Uh, you know, spend it together because, as that saying goes, today's moments are tomorrow's memories. And at least for me, those memories really do keep him alive in my heart forever. And you know, his love and zest of life is why I will continue long continue my Liv Gibstrong canine epilepsy awareness advocacy um, in his memory because how he embraced the dog life and taught us that dogs with epilepsy may have special needs, but they are truly amazing souls deserving of a life filled with all our love and care. And boy, do they give us joy too. 
Oh, absolutely. And when you mentioned what your vet said, it reminded me, we had a puppy mill rescue. And um, I remember the vet, although this vet ultimately killed her from from negligence, but we won't go down that road. But I do remember she had said to me, stop, because she spent eight years in in a cage breeding. And I remember the vet said to me, stop treating her like a victim, treat her like a dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and there are certainly lots of lessons we can learn from our dogs. But I know how important Gibson is to you. And I know, I mean, I read about him all the time and whatever you write, it's hard to believe that he's not here. But because of him, you have become this amazing advocate and you are helping so many people. I mean, I wish I had known about you before Red had her first seizure because I would have been certainly a lot more prepared. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I've learned so much from him. And, you know, I, we all know how it can feel and, and it's lonely and it can be scary. And although there's a lot more information out there at our fingertips, I always tell people, have a source you can go to. Um, I, will, I compile everything. My information's free. I share so that people know if they come here, it's a reliable source. And then it just gives you information uh, so that you know where to go and read all the right information. And don't be afraid to talk to your veterinarian. And as I said before, it, it's really important to have a good relationship with your veterinarian. I mean, mine were fantastic. I mean, we were texting at two in the morning when Gibson was in the emergency clinic. I mean, it's just that important to know that you have faith in, in your vet and that if they don't feel that they have an answer, they will continue to help you find the person that will help you get an answer. But the bottom line is these dogs are amazing. And, you know, I just hope that folks don't keep bringing them back to shelters. Don't be afraid. There's definitely a lot of resources to help them uh, live a great life with a dog with epilepsy. Well, you are a great advocate for them, believe me. And that's it for this episode. Dorothy, I am so beyond thrilled that we finally made this happen, especially yes. with all our technical glitches. <laughs> oh, those technical <laughs> things. It only took us four tries in an hour to actually start recording this, but I'm grateful that we persevered because that's how passionate we are about the topics. Absolutely. But And I'm going to include, of course, all your links. I mean, I know you have a ton of them, but I'm going to put all of them in the episode description because you are an amazing resource and everyone can use you as a one-stop place to learn as much as they can about epilepsy. And if any, anyone ever has a question, they can always DM me over on the five sides Facebook page or send me an email and I'll be happy to steer them in the correct direction to get whatever information they need. That's great. Thank you so much again, Dorothy. And I will see you all next time. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, everybody. And thank you, Hindi. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.